Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Baseline with Coach P. Today our special guest is the Rock Island Rocks head coach, Tom Siegel. How you doing, Coach? About like everybody else. Um, <laughs> just making it through and with a lot of questions, wondering what's going to happen here in the next few weeks with school. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it was a strange uh, June not being in the gym like we're all used to. Um, made some more trips to the golf course than I usually do. So there, there was a few positives to take from it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, briefly, you know, I know I, when I talked to you earlier about coming on, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. You know, we're going to talk a, a lot about the shot clock and, and what your thoughts are and uh, coming into Illinois. But, hey, I want to give our listeners a little bit of history. I mean, I know where your background comes from and uh, uh, being an old Billtown kid. And I know you grew up in Galesburg. But uh, give uh, – Give our listeners a little bit of uh, a history about you and uh, where you grew up, how you got into coaching, and things like that. Well, you you did touch on it. Uh, I'll even go a little further back that that I was uh, played at Rock Falls. Uh, Coach Cal Hubbard, who um, had gone from there and ended up at Normal U, I had a lot of success. and then went to Knox College, and so there's the the Galesburg connection you mentioned, and then started uh, there. and one year as a seventh grade coach at Churchill Junior High, home of the Blue Streaks. And um, as I've gotten into coaching, it really starts showing my age and stuff that I'm coaching against guys that were down there in like fifth grade, I think, when I started. Now, now I'm coaching against them. Um, and then uh, uh, got my chance. Uh, Barry Swanson gave me a chance to be varsity assistant in that my second year out of college. And so got uh, to learn under him and and a great experience with uh, Western Big Six basketball, got a taste of it, and then uh, had the opportunity to move uh, back to uh, Rock Falls, you know, go home again and uh, be the coach there for six years before um, uh, getting the opportunity at Rock Island. So um, it's hard to believe, but uh, been there, been here at uh, Rock Island for 19 years now. It's time, time sure flies. Yeah, you've had a you've done a great job. I didn't mean you're from Galesburg, but that's when I first right. knew of you. I mean, I knew you were a Rock Falls kid and stuff. So. Yeah. Um, you mentioned going to uh, Rock Falls, you know, and, and you know we talk about your biggest coaching influences. You meant, uh, mentioned Cal Hubbard and uh, Barry Swanson. Uh, growing up and watching those two guys coach, uh, that has to be uh, some guys that really influenced you. Obviously, if you're bringing those guys up. Yeah, it's um, we didn't run the ball press though. He he, uh, Coach Hubbard picked that up. I think in his uh, two years of stop at Lincoln, um, and then took it with him to U High, and um, it was I, I guess I would say fun because they were fun games, but it wasn't necessarily fun that uh, we coached against each other four times. So we had to um, really work on going against his ball press and one two two um, uh, twice. I think at the State Farm. Uh, no, three times at State Farm Classic, actually. And then uh, we uh, wrestled him into um, coming up to the Rock Falls shootout one year, actually, in 99. Uh, got him back in the, in the gym where he'd used to coach. It was the first time back. So, um, yeah, he was, he was a great influence. And like I said, uh, old Barry Swanson uh, a lot for um, the circumstances work that he let me come in uh, when I was young and uh, allowed me to learn on the fly, gave me some responsibilities. I, I, you know, and then two years, my last two years there, I took over as the sophomore coach where I was able to 
run the run practices on my own and those type of things. So, um, yeah, just, uh, those, those are things that, and, and coach, I, it's, you know, I, I used to hear coaches and still do talk about helping younger coaches. And I think we've, we've hit that path on the road, <laughs> um, where, uh, that is, is, re has really started to, to mean a lot more to me. Um, guys, I coached in high school, getting into coaching and, kind of trying to be that mentor that, that I know that, that I really appreciate it coming up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've all been, you know, touched from our mentors and, and anytime a young kid will ask, you know, I, I'll, I'll always have time for them and uh, things cause that's the way that they were worth to me and then couldn't, couldn't say enough good things. Um, going back to rock falls, you were a hometown kid and, uh, a lot of people probably remember uh, that you won the 99 state championship. I remember sitting at the uh, Civic Center and watching that. You were really athletic, did a great job with your team. And then, uh, you know, a few years after you got to Rock Island, you won the 2011 state championship. Most guys like to get to state. You've won two state championships. So uh, I know that, that you, uh, you're not a self-promoter, but I, I think that's a great honor. I mean, you, you ran two programs and – both of them have state titles under their belts. And uh, so talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, you're a little bit younger in, in 99 and winning that state title and, and then uh, Rock Island in 2011. Um, well, first of all, I, I agree. I mean, we used to go down to Champaign um, when I was at Galesburg and, and, you know, we, we had aspirations there of, of getting the state because, um, you know, Barry played on the 66 team that got second. So that, that was always the goal. And um, just really, yeah, the, the dream was always to ever have the opportunity to get there. And in 98, we got beat by uh, Coach Weirs at Farmington. Hmm. They, were, they were either 32-0 and 0 and went to – I think they went to 33-0 and 0 after they beat us by four in the super sectional at Wharton um, and a great team. And – I mean, it just, it just hurt because like, you know, this, this might be the only chance because I know there's a lot of guys that, that are great coaches that circumstances don't line up. And, and I do mean that humbly. Um, but we were able to, to get back down there and that um, has a lot to do with um, the kids we had. I mean, you know, we, we know how hard we work and we line everything up, but um, how many times the, the, circumstances are really beyond our control. You know, we, we get blamed a lot. <laughs> Sometimes we get too much credit and too much blame, I guess. But, you know, in, in that championship game, we, we, we were down uh, one and um, ran an end line. We, I wanted to run one that we had used prior, but um, they had seen it over the weekend and had it scouted out pretty well. So we went to another one. They clogged it up. Uh, we thought we'd get something slip into the basket. And it ended up with Brian Vance and kind of stood out there and dribbled a little bit and um, made the shot. And yeah, he was pretty you know, good. As, as fate would have it, if he missed that, who knows if I'd be sitting here right now with you and, and maybe not even in Rock Island. Um, but um, it's just a great group and um, just, just really blessed to, to be a part of it. And then, um, you know, in 2011, uh, you know, similar, similar things. I mean, uh, those two teams, not only were they talented, but I always tell people, you know, you look at the formula for success and all those things, we all, we all, you know, are trying to follow some model, but, um, 
those the the thing that those two groups had other than, other than being talented and and ultra competitive were it was a group that accepted their roles i mean whether they started and they they weren't the shooter or they they would allow the guys that were the scorers to score the bench guys um accepted their roles and that led to the second part is those two years more than any other our practices were outstanding and that goes back to the first one you know the we had guys that didn't see the court much in 99 that um our starters you know brian vance was all state and jed johnson was like honorable mention and they used to get mad like coach why is he guarding me today and these were guys that they came every no night and annoyed the crap out of the guys that were all staters <laughs> yep. or two leading scorers and then the next year they step in and start and we we got beat by riverton with cliff cuffle in, in the the elite eight that year and and they just stepped right in because they worked so hard and uh, you know, same thing in 2011, uh, guys just went at each other. And um, so, you know, it's, it's special when you get those groups. And um, even sometimes when you do, you, you need some breaks, you need some matchups. Um, you know, Perry Notre Dame in 2011 beat us like a drum at State Farm in, in the uh, semifinals. And they were still undefeated. And and then Peoria Central, who was a tough matchup for them, beat them in the sectional semis, and we didn't have to face them again because I'd done a few scouts on them since Christmas when they beat us because I thought we might see them again. So some things always have to line up, and um, you, you just feel really fortunate and excited when, you know, to, to get that opportunity. Yeah, you're exactly right, Coach. Uh, you had a kid on the 2011 team, and, and you're, you're, you're like me. You always talk about team, team, team. And, but, you know, with your, with your better teams, you always seem to have that all-state player. Um, and Chason Randall, you know, from the outside, I don't know Chason very well. But from the outside looking in, he just looks like a great, great kid. So, uh, and he's obviously had a lot of success. Um, you coached him and, and you know, and, and signing the contract there in 2020 with the Warriors and then obviously the season being affected with this COVID situation. But tell me a little bit about him and then we'll move on to the shot clock thing. Um, do I get more than 30 seconds or 24? Absolutely. <laughs> can't, can't talk um, about pace on in 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the other thing that um, just being uh, reflective of things that – I don't think any of us ever really comprehend that we would have coach an NBA player. I mean, <laughs> not one of those things that I ever thought. And even, you know, he goes to Stanford and ends up as the all-time league scorer and the things that he did in college. Uh, it was the first time I really watched the NBA draft that year, but knew it was a long shot. Um, but uh, being able to, the moment, to not only seeing him on TV, but we got a chance to go up to Milwaukee. He was on a 10-day contract with the Sixers. And um, to see him hit a three-point, I mean, like live, here's a guy that I was able to coach, make a shot in an NBA game, uh, much less than play with the Wizards and, like you said, the Warriors, um, is, is just is kind of difficult to believe, um, to be honest. And uh, But, yeah, like you said, everything you see or you hear, I don't know how many times people, even in high school, would say, well, is is he really that nice of a guy? Is he really all he's cracked up to be? <laughs> you know, we, I said, well, to be honest, after four years with him, I see some of the downs, you know, the, the moments, 
but <laughs> yes, he, he really was. I mean, um, he was always pushing guys. You know, it's, it's interesting watching the last dance, uh, you know, when, when we didn't have anything else to do in June. Um, but how he pushed teammates. Um, Jason did it a little bit different way. He didn't maybe rub people the wrong way, but he, he would help set the tone. And there were other guys. I mean, Royce Muscovelli, Devin Jones were other captains. But um, for four years, you know, that's Jason had kind of earned that, that right and um, just worked so hard. Um, when, when we were able to get in the gym for those few days, uh, Jameer Price, that, that graduated in 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, came in and he said that uh, he had been doing some workouts with Chasen and Tyler Hall and some guys. He said, coach, Chasen just kills us. I mean, I go, he's like a machine, isn't he? Because my son Trey said that one time uh, he went to work out and he was going for like an hour and a half, two hours. And I thought he was, wasn't going to be that long. And that's the word he used. He's like, he's just a machine. He just goes hard all the time. And um, that's just the way he is. And, uh, but the biggest thing is that, uh, you know, and I mean, you asked, so I could go on a long time, but I, I won't do that. But um, how humble he was with everything. I mean, he understood that he, with his recruiting and the accolades that uh, it was about us. And in the locker room, try, he didn't bring that stuff up with guys. And, um, and that was really helpful because it could, it could get out of hand in a hurry. Um, we all know that, um, gel, and it, whether it be his fault or not. And that says a lot about the other guys in the team. They understood. Um, but, uh, he, he was just great that way. Um, and uh, two real quick stories I'll, I'll, I'll tell about him. I've shared them uh, with other people. One is he got back from the first year he played with the team USA. They were in, um, uh, Brazil, I think, and um, we were leaving on a Friday, I think, to go over to Purdue's team camp, um, and he got home on Wednesday night, and Thursday, we were going to get the guys in the gym because he had missed our camp while he was gone, and I was trying to get a hold of him during the afternoon, just said, hey, we're going, you know, are you still coming in to just run through some things before tomorrow, and I couldn't get a hold of him. Finally, he called me back, and he said, well, my my dad made me mow the yard. So, <laughs> so he comes back from playing with Team USA, and that's just the way his parents are. I mean, grounded and, you know, nothing special. He's got to mow the yard in the heat um, before he gets to go to the gym. And the other one was um, the one time when he was back that he wanted to uh, – um, he had something he wanted to try to – he left it for me because he had to catch a flight back to wherever he was going. Uh, but he was trying to get in to um, get a thank you note to the cafeteria ladies at the school. Um, and he felt bad that he couldn't take it in himself. But um, even just thinking that, because uh, they had like sent him a message when he was with the Knicks or something like that. And, um, you know, those are just the, the things that are uh, special as a coach. Uh, he was home for about a week, uh, like two weeks ago. We got a chance to go out and play a little golf. That's his new thing. He just picked it up this summer. So okay. we went out and played a few holes uh, before he flew back out to California. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah, he's approaching that the same way. He's serious. I can <laughs> be impatient. I told him, the, you better be patient with this game. But he is, uh, he's all in, just like when he does anything. Yeah, I can't imagine. He did. He said, my interaction with him is, 
has been nothing but top notch. And I figured, so I, it was great to hear those stories. No question. Um, the shot clock, and this is kind of what everybody's talking about. It's blowing up on social media and all this stuff. And, and I know there's a movement in Illinois here to get the shot clock in Illinois. Um, give us a little history about that. Uh, what do you know about it? And uh, when did you get the wind of it? Well, is this one of those things that um, the little disclaimer, my opinions do not represent da 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 da. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Um, oh, geez. Maybe three weeks ago, four weeks. It might have been a month ago. Um, I got a text from Mike Ryan Gruber at Riverside Brookfield that said that uh, Tyrone Slaughter from Whitney Young um, knew people. It was right after Georgia had accept, uh, accepted it or, or approved it. Right. Um, he knew some coaches from Georgia and they told him how they were able to get it through. And he was trying to get some people from different parts of the state. And, and I've known Mike uh, for a few years now uh, through IBCA. And so he said, Hey, you know, you're, you know, out there on the Western part of the state, are you for it? And would you want to be involved in some zoom meetings? And I said, yeah, what do you know what I can do to help? And, and there's been a lot of other guys who've, behind the scenes done a lot more than I have. So I'm not trying to take credit, but um, have been a part of some of those conversations. Um, the, the vote that they're trying to do and um, the point we're at now is not anything to approve it. I mean, that's all got to go through the IHSA. Um, there's some background with how the IHSA works with the National Federation and that National Federation obviously is leaving it up to states. They're not approving it. I think there's 10 or maybe just a Georgia might've been the 11th state. Um, was it two years ago that Wisconsin approved it and then took it back away? Um, so right now the first step was, can we get out emails to all boys and girls head coaches in the state? I, about 1400 approximately. Uh, and you know, if we can at least get to 1200 to get a good number. And if that number is still, the last time they did it, first of all, I think the IHSA did it. They didn't get a great response, and it was like 51-49 in favor of. So that wasn't nearly enough for them to pursue um, the next steps. So, you know, I think that, that uh, the committee's feeling if we can get to 70% was a number thrown out and get more people voting, now we have something to say there, there's some uh, weight behind it. And, and we know, you know, a lot of the, the questions and concerns and issues that have come up um, that we've, we've kind of, I, I've seen some of it out on Twitter, I guess, that they're saying um, the Chicago schools have talked to some of the NBA guys about trying to help fund it and get it for schools that can't. Um, they've talked about, you know, if, ever, if people just added $1 to ticket price. I mean, some of these are feasible for some, not for others, booster clubs, um, and, and those type of things, you know, would, would there be some deal? I know that we went from, what did we do? Go Wilson to Baden and back to Wilson. Is yeah, that the, absolutely. you know, so I mean, if, if there's, uh, basketball contracts, you know, maybe, maybe the, if the state went to a company and went to bids, maybe that would help bring the prices down a little bit on, on shot clocks. And I think with technology, they've probably gotten a little easier in the last few years. I mean, they're wireless, so you don't have to add anything in there. Um, so there, there are some downfalls. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I should say some concerns that, that would have to be addressed. But 
um, you know, I, I don't know how much you, you know, you shared your opinion and, and that's the thing too, is I, we want everybody to vote. If, if you want to say no, get on there and, and say no, I, because we, we also don't want out of 1400, whatever the numbers come up, say, well, 400 voted. I, at last I heard, I thought it was over half. So they're still trying to make a push to get, get some others. Yeah, I've actually voted, uh, you know, and I don't mind saying it. I'm for it because, you know, I'm a set guy. We played a frantic pace and we like to get up and down. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, we're ready for it. We've been ready for it for a long time. And I think it's just going to add better coaching and, and better play. I know there's some naysayers out there, but everybody has an opinion, you know. I mean, that's just how it works. But right. what do you think What do you think it'll look like? I mean, I, I'm looking at here, and you hit the nail on the head with all these states. Uh, there is 11. Uh, okay. Georgia was 11th, and I don't know if you count Wisconsin or not, but they went and then came back, so maybe they're 12. I don't know, but we're looking at the NBA and the WNBA are 24 seconds. College women are 30. College men are 35, and uh, and USA basketball is 24. So where, and most of the ones that I did a little research on from other high schools are anywhere from 30 to 35. So what where do you see this at for our boys and girls and? Uh, um, where do you see it going from here? Well, um, I saw something in writing from one of our committee members that they tried to look at their stats at number of possessions for each team from some of the, like their average. And they came out that it was 15, 16 seconds of possession. Um, one of our other committee members said that they had seen that average possessions were like 26. So however you cut it, it was still under 30. So anybody that thinks that's going to have a, I don't see it having a huge impact on making the game crazy or those type of things. When you, I don't know that most people would even get, you know, have shot clock violations, but 30 or 35, I mean, I could probably live with either. Um, I, I will say one thing that if, if, if it came down to being, you know, feeling strongly enough about it and, I, if it's an extra five seconds to go to 35, you know, to, to pass it, then that great. Let's, I'd be fine with that. Um, I know that the people, you know, there's been some on both sides. Well, if kids are going to college, you should play with the college is doing it and, and, uh, you know, help them with the transition and others are, that's not our job. You know, maybe I, you know, it's still a minimal amount of kids that actually go play college basketball. So that shouldn't be a factor. So I, I get that, but maybe something along those lines that, that would align it with, with uh, college probably would be about what I would uh, expect. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, boys versus girls, I know college is different with 30 and the men is 35. How do you think, uh, you know, if it does pass, what will that mean for us? You think, will it both be the same, you think? Would, that be, would it be different for boys or girls, or how would they oh. do that? That's, yeah, that would be an interesting question. Um, I would assume that they would, they would be the same. I, you know, I mean, because um, what the college women still do the 10 minute quarters, is that right? right. And so there's some other rules that um, I don't know if they have some different governing body. I mean, I know NCAA is a governing body, but if anything rules wise is different, whereas in our state, it's, it's all going to be the same, I think. Um, you know, you mentioned some of these rule changes too about helping the game. We, we tried to get, um, we we're trying to fill a spot and, uh, was looking at playing in a Wisconsin team 
and we were not able to have them come here because um, we have to stick with our eight minute quarters. Yes. But I understand that if they didn't do it last year, they're going to it this year. They're playing 18 minute halves, I think is what they're doing. So they've, they've changed that um, as well. So um, some of these things are happening around us, uh, shot clock and, and changing those type of things. And, uh, something to look at. I, I don't know if they're all better or not, but, um, you know, I, I actually, a couple guys brought it up in our, our, uh, committee meetings on, on the shot clock. I, I remember a lot of people thinking, Oh, they put the three point line in, you know, back in the late eighties, people are just going to be chucking it and it's going to make the game bad. Well, it looks to be pretty successful. So, you know, if that was viewed as an, I mean, even I think when the ACC did it with that line inside the arc, it was almost like an experiment, but, uh, it's here to stay and it's, I think it's been great for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it makes the guards obviously a little bit more important when it was a post oriented game, you know, and mm-hmm. I remember when that came in, but, um, you know, and obviously Illinois, we already talked about that. It's not going to be one of the first ones. We you hit on a little bit, the average time of possession, um, 15 seconds, that sounds about right for us anyway when I look at it. I mean, yeah, when we're up two, you know, when we're up in a close game with two minutes left now, you know, I've never met anybody. I'm sure you have seen it, but uh, we've never played against anybody that's just held the ball because they, you know, that's the only way they can stay close because the team they're playing is so athletic. But, I mean, you know, the naysayers are saying, what's going to cause bad shots? Well, you know, I've never coached at 3A, 4A level like you have, but we have we have plenty of good shots. We have plenty of bad shots at the 1A, 2A level. So I don't think that the shot clock is going to make much of a difference there. But what, what do you say to those naysayers that say, hey, you know, that's not going to be good because then they're going to, we're going to work the clock down, pass forever, and then we're just going to chuck something from half court so we don't get a violation. So Right. And, and your... that's what I thought. I, a few years ago, that's what I thought. I thought it was going to be all high ball screens, you know, <laughs> that's what at, at the end of shot clocks. But, um, yeah, I agree. I don't know if the 15, how accurate that is, you know, but the 26, 27, maybe that's a little bit more. But, you know, anywhere in between, I would bet, other than maybe the real patient teams or somebody holding it, um, you're, you're, they're not going to have shot clock violence. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, at 30 seconds, you know, you, you think about if, if teams were using that already, um, you've got 16 possessions a quarter because <laughs> eight minutes, 30 seconds, you know, you just split it in half. That's two possessions right. a minute. That That's a long time. I mean, that's not the way the game's being played. You got fast breaks. Um, and, but uh, I think it's interesting. It, it makes, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say patience, but being able to, the, the style of play, um, executing and um you know especially against some zones you know you, you gotta be able to execute against the zone you can't just pass it around and wait till somebody you know gets an opening uh you've got to be able to execute better because you know the shot clock's on but i don't know how it would be for the fans but uh, i know we kind of talked before we went on air um end of quarter 40 seconds uh, traditionally a lot of times most times I, we've been a team that'll hold it and get the last shot. But now do you have something, a quick hitter to go to take a shot and play the two for one? Um, 
the, the end of the halves. Uh, you know, uh, maybe you're playing from behind a little bit. Uh, do you foul, not foul? Where before some of the, you know, then you talk about more exciting versus less exciting. How about the times where there's a minute and a half to go and a team's down and they start fouling? It's just trip to the, you know, the last minute and a half takes 30 minutes. It's just trip to the free throw line the rest of the way. Whereas now you don't foul, try to get a stop. I mean, there, there's just a lot of situations when we all watch college that we would be in that situation. And, and um, being uh, one, you know, after doing it one way for a long time, I'd be excited to, to be a part of uh, having to learn some new, new things. Hey, absolutely. And you old know, dog, new tricks, right? <laughs> that's right. But I tell you though, I think you're absolutely right because uh, you know, in, in 87, I remember everybody being critical of the three and saying, Oh, that's going to ruin basketball. You know, they're going to chuck it from ever and they're not going to use a post. And to me still the best three, and I know I'm old, but the best three is the inside out three or the, mm -hmm. you know, go inside, kick it back out, feeder set. You know, I saw Trey hit about 8 million of them when he played. So, you know, but yeah. um, to me, that's the best three. So I, I don't think I agree with you. I think the three has been great for the game. And I think the shot clock is going to increase coaching. I think it's going to increase player skill. And, and uh, I guess the last thing I want to ask you before I leave you, and I appreciate your time is um, when they're trying to sell this shot clock thing, and I encourage all our coaches, I know I got some coaches that listen to this, please vote, but uh, we don't care. If it's yes, no, or otherwise, just vote. And, and I'm doing a little Twitter poll. I'm sure nobody cares, but it's like 70-30 positive right now. So still got about 15 hours left. So, um, And that's good, you know. And, and we talked a little bit about the naysayers. But why do you think it's going to be uh, good for, for players and coaches and even officials and fans? Um, I, I don't know how to speak on the officials. I, I've given that a little thought. Um, I've heard some of the guys on there said they've heard officials that say they want it and, and they like the idea of it. Um, I've heard other people say, well, officials are going to have, you know, how many more buzzer beater situations and those type of things. I, I don't know. I can't speak for them. Um, I, I, I would think if there was a, just a player's poll, that's going to be somewhere in the nineties in favor of it. Because <laughs> um, no I know what they're, they're thinking is, Hey, let's go to 10 second shot clock probably. Yeah. Uh, but I think coaching, even like you say, with the, with the three and, and even in the last four or five years, you know, you talked about inside out threes, you know, what about transition threes before the defense yeah. is set and they Absolutely. can find your shooters and you don't have to run a set. Um, you know, you get the guard pushing it and attacking the lane, shrinking the defense and kicking it or the defense now staying home on shooters and lanes are open to the basket. Um, you know, it's, it's actually in ways cleaned up the game. Maybe not at first, but as it's become part of it um, after a few years, it's cleaned up the game. Um, you know, the other thing is look at, I know maybe to, to some people who aren't studying it and, and being a little crazed like us, but how many like uh, transition secondary break stuff I've, I've dabbled with it, but I still have a hard time going away from not having a rim runner uh, running to the lane and trying to get an easy layup. But the Houston Rockets and some of these teams, they're spreading the floor in transition by not even running anybody in the lane. So um, I guess those are the things I see with the shot clock that, um, that are happening at the levels above us that will filter down from a coaching standpoint. And um, 
make strategy and those type of things much more fun. To some of the fans, I think that that part um, they'll have fun, you know, watching strategy um, as well. And I think that they'll they'll just enjoy watching the game. You know, I know I know the downfalls of the cost and finding somebody to run it. Um, those those are feasible. I get it. But like I said, with the committee talking about the there's a question and answer thing out there too that uh, somebody on, on our group did a great job with that says, we know that these are the questions here. Here's how they can be you know, handled. Um, but it's like anything else, uh, you know, whoever came up with a great idea was always thinking about how it can get done, not why it can't get done. Um, there's enough people that, that do that. So um, I, I think if we look at how, how we can get it done, it, it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, you're talking about, uh, I know we got to wrap this up, but I you know you're talking about transition threes, you know, and in 2014, uh, the year uh, we had a great year that year and got beat one game from state. And I had a three point shooter by the name of Matt Jenkins and uh, Trevor Lay was our point guard, obviously. He was yep, a really good player. And, uh, you know, he would always hit Matt and transition on a three. And, it, and if, it, if he was set and they, they've been playing together forever, you know that. And then they, they, uh, he would shoot well over 50% in transition from three, hmm. you know, and you get the, the old school guys would tell you, coach, that's an undisciplined three. I go, buddy, I don't think it is. I said, you know, so I started looking into it and he was shooting well over 50% in transition threes. And he was out of sets and I have hmm. court shit set. He was like 36 or 38. And I thought, you know, you got a penetrating point guard that could get it to him. And I mean, it's, to me, it's not an undisciplined shot because we might work, for 29 seconds and not get that shot again, you know, from a guy right. that can shoot it, make it one out of two times from 19 feet nine. To me, that's yeah. a no brainer. Well, so, and, and that goes back to way back when we are talking about the, the successful teams is guys understanding roles and it like, yeah. yeah, this guy can take that shot. You better not, you no. know, those type of things. Because <laughs> yeah. those are the guys that you, you'll be open now. You'll be open later. You can get, you know, they'll leave you open again. Um, <laughs> But, but that's important. And the thing that I found on transition threes, if the right guys are taking them, is um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, we, we have a lot of other jobs to do other than coaching, you know, AD and counseling. Yeah. But if we had the time to really stat it is what the uh, offensive rebound stats are on transition threes. Because you've got, you know, if the defense isn't set to guard, they're not set to block out too. Because, you know, we've got – and then you're right back to do you kick it back out again and – so I, I'm, 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 we could sit here all day and get off topic on stuff like that, but I, I agree with you. Yeah. Hey coach, listen, it's been great talking to you and I really do appreciate your time. I know you're busy and, and uh, revamping the field house a little bit. So we don't want to take any more of your time, but uh, I appreciate you being here. It's always great to talk to you and you're a very well-respected coach, obviously in the area. And, and we appreciate all you do for us, uh, small school guys out here, you know, and uh, we, it was always always exciting to follow Rock Island basketball. So uh, I really appreciate you being here. Well, and I've uh, – I still when, – whenever anybody around the big schools say anything about small schools, I, I'm still a small school guy too from being there. And uh, I'd say, you know, I had some teams at Rock Falls I'd put up against a lot of big schools anytime. So, um, you know, the the – the, the basketball there is, is great as well, and you do a great job. And, uh, you know, compliments on uh, taking the time during uh, the pandemic to, to start this uh, 
venture and, and do something new. Hey, absolutely, bud. I appreciate you being on. I know our uh, listeners are going to enjoy listening to this one. I did. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this talk with the head coach of the Rock Island Rocks, Tom Siegel. Stay tuned for the next episode of Beyond the Baseline with Coach Pete. Blinded by the